and welcome back to the SBK betting podcast, the final podcast of 2021, where we have seen just some magnificent performances. And pleasingly, we have found some good price winners over the last few months together. But this last week in particular has gifted us with some Christmas goodies that even our resident Scrooge, James Wilman, would have been pleased to have seen, despite although, James, I know it would have been particularly gutting to see your nap. Edis Elton travels so well through his race at Wincanton, but ultimately get done on the line. One of the performances of the week, though, was one of your selections in Brave Man's Game. So a bit of an up and down time for you at Christmas, but that must have been quite satisfying to see Brave Man's Game do his job. Yeah, it was. And it was kind of how I anticipated it, it would happen. I think there's no guarantees he's the best horse out of the pair. I think uh, different circumstances, different rides... Uh, might see a different result, but uh, I think Paul Nichols certainly felt vindicated uh, that people might have doubted Brave Man's game. Um, I'll say I think they were fair to, to give a good shout out to Hoy Senor, but uh, he came through with flying colours. Yeah, interesting you say that. I thought very much hands up, I was wrong, best horse won, but it will be interesting to see what happens when they do return and maybe rematch at a track like Cheltenham, which will definitely suit a Hoy Senor a bit better. Ross. Look, I could go through so many horses on both sides of the Irish Sea in terms of standouts. It was the Willie Mullins show over in Ireland. Paul Nichols had a good time, but Nikki Henderson also was very relieved and quite emotional to see Shishkin win as well. Were there any big standouts for you from the from the week that's just gone by? Yeah, you'd have to have a heart of stone not to to feel glad for Nikki that Shishkin came through and came through in style as well because he was clearly very worried about running him on soft ground um, and and does feel like he's been got out a bit and, I, and I, I'm on his side to be honest I, I love horses I think we have very few trainers able to to serve it up to Mr Mullins to Bromhead and, and Elliot Nicky's one of them and, and, and why we don't revere him a bit more I don't quite know so I was delighted to see that I'm with you I think we've got to put our hands up and say Mr Scrooge Millman got it right um, with uh, Brave Man's Game we got it wrong with the Hoy Senor, and I think he is probably the better horse because jumping wins races. But what you would say is when they get to Cheltenham, they might have to face up to a beast called Galloping de Champ, who was just mighty uh, at Leopardstown. Um, I can't remember seeing a novice jump and gallop like that. And the impressive thing was he has bags of scope, but he's clearly got bags of intelligence as well. Um, and I think uh, those two combined with his engine make him a horse that I'd be loath to take on with anything. Yeah, I think interesting as you use intelligence, he really, he's very clever at his fences, but he's clearly very good and he's just improved massively. I mean, he made some good horses that pretty ordinary as well, which um, I think even surprised Willie Mullins. But as I said, it was his show, won all the bumpers, um, which is, is, is something. And, um, you know, likes of Fernie Hollow returning from his stress fracture of his pelvis. I think that was... There's just so much to look forward to. And I think we've come to this midpoint of the season where things are going to get really interesting now. But in the UK, we've got some nice horses to hopefully go to war with at Cheltenham. I don't think it's all the Irish show. Um, so really looking forward to what 2022 has in store. Um, other than that, over the week, obviously the Welsh National, I was really pleased to see I will do it, do it. Um, he halved in price, I think, by the time it came to the off, but he was 13 to 1 when he was put up um, on this podcast 
and obviously Achille as well, who I, who I mentioned at 26-1, was in fourth. So not a bad time. I finally got there, and Mighty Potter was a 5-2 to winner as well. Uh, so there are a few winners that we have found, and we're going to keep on searching as we like to deliver every single week. So we'll get cracking into the Cheltenham New Year's Day racing. It's always a great day. A lot of heavy heads, but only the best place to make um, you feel better than watching the racing at Cheltenham. So we're going to start with the Dippin' Novice Chase, a grade two over two mile, four and a half furlongs. And Venetia Williams has just been in cracking form all season. And her horse, Lahom Press, heads the market, looking to make it three out of three over fences, currently seven to four. The Glancing Queen, the mare in the field, is four to one. Miller's Bank, four to one. Come on, Teddy, tens, Oscar Lee, elevens. Fantasticas is 12 to one. Gladiator Allen, 21 to one. Galley Hill, who had such a big reputation this time last year, 23 to one. And Zurichin, 67 to one. I'll start with you first, James, um, as you've, you've been doing pretty well um, with your assessment of novice chases of the back of Brave Man's game. And this is a race where I thought, you know, it, didn't, it lacked a bit of a spark. Maybe Long Press could be that. It's clearly a much better chaser than it was a hurdler. Um, and Venetia Williams has done very well for him. Has he been flattered or could he be even better than what he's shown in his last two starts? Uh, well, he's looked pretty good in those two starts so far. I was actually at Exeter when he made a winning return, and it was a race that Venetia ran a Tiger Trail in, who'd won nicely on his second start of the fences and went on to bigger and better things. And he won that comfortably enough. Um, I didn't expect Venetia to be going for a graduation chase uh, a fortnight later, bearing in mind he only went up eight pounds, he was 136 going into that graduation chase. And that was a mark that I thought Venetia would exploit in, in handicap chases. And she was taking a risk. I think he was only fifth or sixth top rated. And there was a chance he could have come third or fourth and got a seven pound rise and, and not really got much money in the bank. Didn't matter. He absolutely bolted up. The race fell apart, but did it fall apart because he's jumping, put everyone else under pressure. He won convincingly. Handicapper put him up 12 pound, one, four, eight. And now he's able to go into a grade two like this. So he's got every chance. He definitely does. He actually beat Mesut Zobo in behind, who won this race this time last year. And he, he, and, and that wasn't, I think that was quite a nice race. It looked on paper, um, it, it'd be quite competitive. He was also really short priced that day as well. Seven to four, I believe, is quite nice about a horse that has to turn up and beat, take on horses you've got, you can nip, nip holes at. Obviously, Miller's Bank traveling all right. It was lucky that Pictoria was fell. He obviously unseated the glancing queen. A mare in this race, we've, we've seen mares try and take on um, the opposite sex in races that over the last week in novice company. What do you feel, James, could be his danger? I liked her jumping, the Glancing Queen. I think she's taken the chasing really well. It, there's a brilliant mares programme. So the fact that Alan King's stepping out of that grade, having won two listed chases already uh, for mares only, does suggest he thinks she's pretty good. The horse I really liked at Cheltenham when he came down was Oscar Elite. Um he jumped really well until he made a mistake free out. The issue is, again, I was at Huntington when he ran behind Brinkley. And for me, that was the start of Team Tizard just falling off an absolute cliff because he made a mistake going into the first. He never particularly travelled, finished very, very tired. And um, that's kind of been the start of a, of a bad run. I think they've gone, what is it, 50 runners now about a winner? And, and very few are even coming placed. And that's a huge concern for for the yard and, and it's a bit of a carbon copy as to what happened last year. And he's a, he's a big price, but I just, just couldn't be backing anything of Team Tizard at the moment, even though I thought initially he might be my novice chaser to follow for the whole season. But he's definitely a danger. 
if they have turned the corner quickly enough, but it might just be we're, we're going to have to ignore the other horses for a little while until we know, know they're back on track. But for me, I was impressed both starts so far. More the fact that, like I say, Venetia was prepared to, to ruin that handicap market. It's an open dipper otherwise. There's lots you can consider. But again, I agree with you. I think seven to four is a cracking price for a horse that looked very good last time. Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. I don't think I, I like the, when I saw seven to four as a surprise. I thought it'd be a bit a bit shorter. It does need to give weight away, not a huge amount of weight. Miller's Bank next best in the in the in the betting only three pounds. Uh, Ross, I know you're not the kind of person that would want to go with a favourite. Have you tried to pick holes in him? Is he is he a horse that you've looked at and assessed the jumping, assessed this whole field, and seen that there's a there's a horse that can take him on? I have wanted to take him on. He was visually very impressive last time, um, but he did jump out to his left a lot, which would initially lead you to think that maybe going this way around is going to is going to suit him. But he was quite fiddly and sketchy at a number of fences, and I just wondered whether he was going left, looking to try and put himself right. And I sometimes think that when you then remove that option from them, assuming that Charlie Deutsch is going to go down the inside, whether that could just put a bit of a hole in his jumping uh seven to four is is short enough for me for a novice chase around Cheltenham to be honest um entirely agree with James the glancing queen is by far and away the most assured jumper in this but she's been in the mayor's program so you'd think she's gonna have to step up a bit but is capable uh Oscar elite yeah unfortunately the Tizard Yard have, have fallen off a cliff only three placed horses from their last 25 runners no runners uh, no winners since the first week of December that doesn't bode well for him and the softer ground might suit him but coming back in half a mile in trip I couldn't really see how that was going to play for him so the one I tend to be came down on is Miller's Bank um he wasn't going all that behind badly behind Pick Dory when Pick Dory fell but his jumping had been a bit sketchy he was quite guessy at a couple um and then Pick Dory departed and left him in front and he looked very green to the next two fences then if going on this softer ground allows him to go a gear slower and his jumping might just improve for that, um, I do think he's the confirmed class horse in the field. I mean, he was third at Aintree at the end of last season, only beaten two lengths by a horse called Buzz that we know a bit about. And we know that he's very high class. Um, so I thought he had a bit of a chance. And then he's by a sign called Passing Glance, who wouldn't have had huge crops of, of, of national hunt horses. But his other good one uh, is uh, Dashra Drasher. Now, he loves soft and heavy ground. If this lad can cope with the soft and the heavy, and it is a bit of an if because he's not running all that much, I think four to one is a decent price. And his two bits of form on soft and heavy. He won a novice hurdle at Bangor, beaten Vienna Court by seven lengths. Well, he's 135 rated. And he won a handicap hurdle at Kempton, beaten Franchin by two lengths. And Franchin's 141 rated. They were over the minimum trip. Up in trip, he's looked a better horse. If he's got the stamina for two mile four on soft, possibly even heavy ground if the rain comes and it's very up in the air whether it does um i thought four to one was a was a decent price for me in a novice chase when i wouldn't want to be taking seven to four yeah okay and miller's bank as you say he definitely when he won at huntington he looked like a classy animal and i think that race it all sort of fell apart in lots of different ways at newbury so he's interesting i like the case at the price as well. The Glancing Queen bite, if we're talking about stars by Jeremy, responsible for likes of Silver Forever and plenty of nice horses that been, have been winning recently. And I think that yeah, she's she adds a really good element. I think that's really punchy of the Alan King team to 
have her in here as well. I'm with James, though. Long press. I just think he could be a bit of a class apart. But another, as always, compelling case for Miller's Bank from Ross at four to one. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that rain does come. And we know the Venetia Williams, it's the old famous saying, they love a bit of mud, but they've also been doing so well despite it as well up until this point. So it will be fascinating to see if it comes over the next couple of days. So we'll head on now to the two o'clock, the two mile, four and a half furlong, handicap chase, grade three, a lot of old friends that we've been seeing throughout the season uh, reappearing in what's set to be another cracking betting heat. Very competitive as well on paper. Al Nadam, 11 to 2 currently at the top of the market. Cool Cody, who I must have come out of his Racing Post Gold Cup victory bouncing because he is back again for a big run at Cheltenham. He's 6 to 1, second favourite. Uh, Fernand Bolsavola, 7 to 1. Zanza, 8 to 1 with Galahad Quest. Vienna Court, 11s with Admiral Barati. Corto Rico, can Ross. Forgive him. He's 13 to 1. Rides on the Storm 15s with simply the bets. Esper to Teo 17s and it's 20 to 1. Bigger the rest of these. Uh, look, we've, I feel like we've been here, done this a few times with races of, of this nature, especially having a horse like Cool Cody in here, who, you know, is come, must be coming into this off the, off the back of a career highlight. He's only up four pounds, um, which isn't too much. I, I personally, Really like the look of Zanza now that they definitely know that this is the trip he wants. He's only up a couple of pounds from that run. Um, he's got the cheap pieces on. Almadam, possibly the, the sort of fly in the ointment in terms of the racing in a race like this again and seeing what he's made of after his run behind Brave Man's Game. I'll come to you, Ross, first. Um, as, as I've said, we've seen these horses reappear they probably be beat each other. It's a bit like one of those good five furlong sprints we have during the summertime. Who's going to come up and enjoy the conditions most or who is sort of the more unexposed one. And that's really what it's about when you sort of assess this race. Absolutely. I mean, cool. Cool. Coley and Zanza reoppose each other. Uh, and Zanza is two, two uh, pound better off. So you'd like to think he'll get closer. My concern is that, I understand entirely what a lot of people said, which was that Zanzar came from a long way back. Why don't they ride him a bit more forward? But I think you have to take into consideration they, they've been riding him that far back to try and get his jumping fixed because he's been a fairly average jumper. And the concern for me would be to put the cheek pieces on to help him travel, perhaps ride him a bit more forwards. Are you then going to go backwards in terms of his jumping, which is, has only been adequate at best, I, I think. So he's, he's not for me. Um, around this track. I'd be interested in him over sort of three miles somewhere flat. Um, there's a host of them in here that, that have great chances. Alnadam looks like he's been plotted by the skeletons. They look like they've waited for soft ground to hopefully exploit this mark, but he is fairly short in the market on what he's actually achieved. Um, there was three that were of real interest for me. Riders on the Storm, uh, it was only March 2020, he fell three out in the Ryanair chase and he was still going perfectly well. Then last season, it just didn't happen for him. But to be fair, the Tristan Davis yard didn't have a great season. He's now with Richard Hobson, uh, reappeared at Aintree off a mark of 147 and put up a blinding performance in sideways wind and rain, heavy ground. I think only three finished, possibly even only two finished, actually. Um, and very, very narrowly went down to clan legend. Um, if he can reproduce that, I think he's got a great chance. My concern would be he does have a tendency to jump uh, to his right slightly. And 
this is a fairly quick turnaround of about three weeks after a very big effort after a layoff um, so I reluctantly left him out and I've split my stake between two Galahad Quest who finished fifth in the Paddy Power came from a long way back um, on the slightly sharper course um, on good ground uh, he fell next time out actually in the entry race that uh, uh, Rise on the Storm finished second in if he's got no ill effects from that I think this track softer ground off a mark of 134 looks very appetizing for me and then another one at bigger odds is Atua Phil um, I think he's 34 to 1 with SBK he had very good graded form in Ireland on soft and heavy ground over this sort of trip he's only run twice in two years since the Moors have had him he was beaten 10 lengths by Native River in the 2020 uh, Denman chase wasn't a bad run at all I didn't think and then shaped quite promisingly at Ascot last year um I was very keen on him for the Sefton and he, and this year and he didn't run in it. Possibly, I'm hoping, because of the slightly quicker ground. I think soft ground, off his mark now, uh, he's a long way down in the weights. I think he could run well at a big price. And I thought it was noticeable that Jamie Moore picked him out of the two more runners um, when up in the air, uh, the other horse uh, might have had more realistic and obvious chances. Yeah, I thought up in the air was the, the horse, high up in the air was the horse that, you know, came, coming in for the back of that, a remarkable run of going up in the handicap, up in the handicap, might just possibly need the run. Um, and he's he's a, he's a horse that still has plenty of air miles left, whereas um, a toy Phil, as a 12-year-old, a bit like Voltor the other day that you, you put up to, um, a bit of an older horse that still has, definitely probably has that bit of spark in him, if all things fall right, but... At 34 to 1, he is the absolute rank outsider of this field. So another fascinating um, contender. Must ask Puerto Rico, you obviously haven't forgiven him for hanging so violently left the last time. It was a stress to watch. And, you know, can you can you trust a horse like that? Uh, I'm not sure if it comes down to trust. I just, I just, with him, think first time out is the time to get him. And if you don't get him first time out, you can forget about him for until next season really um, but it was a very strange run and I, I have watched it a few times and can't make head nor tail of it because if you could say categorically he didn't stay then yes perhaps you would give him a chance here back in trip but he seemed to slightly spit the dummy and, and then try again so for me uh, he's not he's not uh, not for one this time He's got the cheap pieces on for the first time, which is not that surprising. Jonathan Burke is on board and he's at 13 to 1 chance. But yeah, interesting that he's been left alone by Ross this time and a couple of other nice selections. Um, I'll come to you next then, James, um, because look, I I think the, the case about Zanza, I disagree with. I think they are getting the grips with him. He is learning. He's only an eight-year-old and there are plenty of actually younger horses in this field that... Um, are learning and and probably get the best out of them in these types of races if there's a good gallop up and up front as well which you're always bound to get um, and I think that's a, a benefit to him and there are other horses Venable Savola who will like that as well and as as Ross has quite rightly mentioned Almadam who's probably the skeleton you know they they like plotting things out and that might be the case um, but where have you looked how have you, how have you how have you left it in terms of your thoughts for this race? Weather is going to be crucial. Um, if the BHA forecast is right and it's soft, dry and wind, uh, Fernando Savoda, I think, is an absolutely cracking chance. He progressed uh, dramatically really last season as a novice chaser and he gave Shishkin a bit of his fright at uh, Aintree, which 
you kind of thought Shishun's had a, quite a hard season, especially for one of Nicky's, and he's kept on going and, and is doing all right. However, that comeback, he put sword to all mankind and probably cost him the race because it, it did fall apart a little bit. All mankind stopped quickly and first flow picked up the pieces. But I thought that was an absolute stormer on his comeback into handicap company. Um, he, like I say, he improved tremendously last year. Venetian's horses are in form. I felt he could have gone up in grade, but the classy horse carrying weights, um, he's carried plenty of weight before last year. So I do think that um, as long as it doesn't go heavy, because he's had two runs on heavy ground and it hasn't been great in comparison to his other starts. He got beaten Newbury on that surface last year. I think he's got a, a fantastic chance for Venetia Williams double. If it is heavy, I wouldn't be surprised if the skeleton horse um, gets a job done. It like, Ross said Alan Adam has probably been laid out for the race. He had a run round behind Rayman's game, same owners um, at Haydock, or same one of the part owners. And, and he jumped nicely in, 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 in the whole, what was he beat 12 lengths at Cheltenham last year. He won impressively on heavy ground at Sandown back in February. So say if the rain really falls, you'd probably edge towards Team Skelton. But for me, a horse to follow, Fernando Severo, I was very impressed with his comeback in the Peterborough. Yeah, I think look, it's great to have a horse of this class. It's 155 in this race. Obviously, it's got to give plenty of weight away, but Venetia is not scared. She's said in the past, she's thought about doing it with Royal Pagai, putting horses like this into it and teaching them, you know, how to run. They've been running in four, three runner races for most of their life. And it does, it will be really interesting to see how he comes out of this and if he if he does just prove his class he's uh he's i think he's a very very interesting horse i really like that run behind first flow last time he's seven to one i've made my my point about zanza um i've backed him last time i backed him the last twice he's run at cheltenham and i think they're finally just about getting there but they have taken a long time to work out so we'll see who will win that battle between Ross, who gets that right. Um, but he is currently an eight to one shout in what I think is a really, really good race. I love this type of race um, that we see at Cheltenham. Every time we return back there and we're heading on now to the third race um, that we're going to preview, which is the handicap hurdle over three miles at 2.35. And Ollie Murphy has a very interesting candidate currently at the top of the betting with SBK at 92. Our approval is five to one for the Fergal O'Brien team who've been in really good form this Christmas. Um, Pylon is seven to one with Botox Taz. Kansas City Chief, who has been such an admirable sport um, at Cheltenham this season, nine to one with Ask Dil Dylan. My Bobby Dazza is 11 to one with Dolphin Square. Spirit of the Games is 15 to one. So Robbie, 20 to one to one with What's Up With You and Stony Mountain. And it's bigger the rest, but we might need to use those bigger prices if Ross is something to say about it. Um, we'll go back to you first, Ross, as I thought that this was quite a tricky race to, to work out. I saw some couple of horses were doubly entered with this and the Raquel Hurdle. Um, Only Murphy's horse, like you could pick holes in him a little bit. He was just got there at Aintree that day. I think it was that day where there was terrible weather as well. Art approvals coming here off the back of a good spell, but there are a lot of horses that are coming up in in class a bit and that just need to prove himself a little bit more. Yeah, up in class and, and, a, and a good few coming up in trip as well. Um, Tamar Bridge, I mean, this extra distance looks like it'll suit, but the form from Aintree has taken a fair old knock. Pounding Poet and Cates in second and third have both been soundly beaten the next time. So that sort of tempers the enthusiasm for him. Um, Botox has Kansas City Chief and asked Dylan all reoppose. Of those, asked Dylan was perhaps weighted to get a bit closer, but you just question whether he's going to want soft ground and a 
and a slog. He doesn't look an out and out stare at three miles. Dolphin Square is probably about his mark. I'd love to see him do it because I'd love to see David Maxwell win um, because I'm a big fan. He's he's never going to be the most stylish and he's probably not the most effective. But if you're backing his horses, not taking that into consideration, more fool you. Um, he's a great, great asset to the sport. And I'm a bit surprised that media don't make more use of him. You know, follow him, do his day job, follow him, get fit and follow him, ride his horses. A man of his means could do any sport, sailing, yachting, whatever he wants to do and he's chosen to do racing and we should be very thankful for it and I would like to see him win I don't think he will um Stony Mountain is appealing on the ground he's climbing in the in the weights now and his course form is 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 poor um uh, my Bobby Dazzler is up a stone now that might not stop him but he's going to have to find a bit more so the one I came down on and you, you were very astute is further down the market is uh, what's up with you and you might well be saying what's up with me but what's up with you 21 to 1 he has good form on the course he was fourth in the Martin Pipe last year where he helped set a fairly strong pace and was still leading turning in and eventually finished fourth didn't look to me like he particularly curled up actually up the running he just looked like he stayed on the same pace and some slightly better horses quick and past him one of which was galloping Deschamps, and we've just spoken about him at, at the start of the podcast um he has to prove he stays three miles but that run in the martin pipe was off the mark of 136 he's had two runs over fences and doesn't look the most natural jumper he's now down to a mark of 130 if the rain comes he does love soft ground if he can put together the soft ground and find a bit of stamina I thought 21 to 1 in a race that i didn't truly fancy anything at the top of the market convincingly I could make a solid case for him at the price. And also, you'd be pleased to see Ben Pauling had a not a bad Christmas. I think there was a couple of winners on Boxing Day. Sort of hit the crossbar now, now and again, but bigger price horses doing well, which he's really needed. Yeah, and, and a winner this afternoon as well, I believe. So, yeah, the, you know, after a poor year last year, he's, he's ticking along quite nicely. Yeah, 21 to 1. Currently, what's up with you? And, yeah, echo your sentiments about... David Maxwell, I remember Bob and Co winning at Punchestown and him throwing the kitchen sink at it and nailing uh, Patrick Mullins on the line. And it was just fabulous. So he is a, a great asset. And we we definitely um, encourage and, and love seeing him riding big, big winners, um, especially in his colours. So Dolphin Square um, in this race adds another nice element to it at 11 to 1. Um, Ross has actually mentioned a horse that I, I do really like, my Bobby Dazzler. He is the horse that's come up massively in the weights um, for the Mel Rowley team um, and is, is just one of those horses that could be could still be improving. They haven't really hit their ceiling with them yet, and that's what makes it quite a difficult race to assess, James. Yeah, with him, he, he's one of those very rare horses. It's free from free at Aintree because you don't get that many opportunities to actually run at Aintree, yet every time he's gone, he's produced an improved performance, and he absolutely bolted up last time. The issue is... That's a £14 rise. Um, Alex Edwards was claiming free as a conditional riding for his own yard. So it was an extra a bonus £3 and they haven't really taken that into account. So he could be quite nice, but he's going to have to be if he's going to defy the uh, inflated mark. I kind of agree with Ross in the fact that I've got no strong convictions about any of those that head the markets. Uh, Ard approval, he's done exceptionally well and, and decent ground at Cheltenham. He could be anything. Tom Arbridge, fourth and five, impressive. But what did he beat last time? He did struggle to get up on a two-to-one favourite. 
pile on is a little bit in and out, but he, he won well at, at Sandown and probably similar ground conditions, only up six pounds. So the, the trio that had the market, you could consider those. You've got the three from the Kansas City Chief race. Again, all of those you've got to consider. But I just put up two that are, are exposed, but you know what you're going to get. Spirit of the Games, he always runs well when he's kind of big handicap hurdles. Um, Harry Skelton's back on board. He ran okay when, when he finished eighth um, in the attempts last year. Off 141, he's 135 on the Saturday. So he was an each way contender. And despite the fact that Mr. Maxwell's on board, uh, Dolphin Square, I thought he's probably an each way price in the fact that David's riding a bit, he's put into the price and the horse won nicely at Newbury. Um, you're not going to get much in the finish as we saw at Doncaster yesterday. Uh, but even so, the horse is, is very talented. Uh, David's won a few races on it and he just did enough at Newbury last time. So again, another one that I could see as an each way contender I think it's a very tricky handicap. I've got no no strong convictions. So, uh, straight of the game, fifteen to one. Dolphin Square, eleven to one. I think they're both each way angles into a really tricky race. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a reflection on these prices. I think it's been clearly a difficult race to price as well. There's not much between many of them, and it's a good point about the jockey having an impact on a price. And Kansas City Chief for me, Victoria Malzard, obviously not massively wild well-known outside of her association with Kansas City Chief, takes seven pounds off. This horse has come to Cheltenham three times this season, has won twice. But yet, this horse is still a nice price at nine to one. I can't see why you couldn't get involved with a little bit with that, considering the only other time the horse didn't win, it was third. So it's got a good record here. Um, and yes, up again in the weights, but Victoria uh, Malzar gets on so on well so well with this horse which you can never underestimate that importance so quite interesting this this one um, obviously no massive massive thoughts um but um a good betting race all the same um the race the the, the one of the biggest uh, races of the weekend um is coming up next which we'll we'll go into to now which is the Raquel hurdle over two mile four and a half furlongs Sometimes can be a bit of a damp squib in terms of a race. Are we going to learn a huge amount? Is it going to be shaped much of this for the stayers? The stayers is now looking quite a, an interesting race after seeing what Classical Dream did over the Christmas period. These horses might not necessarily get much further than this. It could be a stepping stone to Aintree. And Brewing Up a Storm has been probably one of, you know, was slightly touched frustrating in parts last season, but when he gets it right, he really, really does. Um, he's currently 13 to 8, um, topping this betting. McFabulous comes in here um, after a bit of a, I think he had a, a, an injury, which has put him on a bit of a back burner. He's 11 to 4. And there's a bit of a jump to in the in the, in the betting after that. Stormy Island and Guard Your Dream, 7 to 1. Indefatigable 8s on the blind side, 15 to 1. Don Levant, 26 to 1. Um, Ross, I'll come to you first. Do you think the betting is priced up correctly? Brewing up a storm, comes into this, obviously off the back of a good win, but Guard Your Dreams was a winner here um, very recently. He's got that Cheltenham form. Um, he's a much bigger price at seven to one. And Indefatigable, who's won here previously, was good second here off top weight last time out. Do you think it's a, Do you think that this has been priced up correctly? I think it's been priced up correctly in terms of ability. Uh, I just have a big problem with the top two in the market in terms of reliability. Um, brewing up a storm last year struggled to put a sequence of runs together now they have spaced out his runs it would appear this year you know he ran first week of November in the Betway hurdle and looked very impressive um, but I he's just not a horse I can get involved with and a bit the same fabulous he's probably not as 
uh, in and out as as brewing up a storm. Um, but he was beaten by this horse, brewing up a storm, beat McFabulous in the game spirit last year. Uh, they finished about level on weights. Brewing up a storm was getting six pound and he, and he won six lengths. Um, and that tight track probably wouldn't have suited uh, McFabulous, um, who did win the rail kill last year when it was rerouted to Kempton. Um, but he's just a horse that I struggle to get a grasp on. I mean, at certain points at Kempton, you wouldn't have been surprised if he was going to be tailed off. He sort of spits the bridle out and Harry Cobb has to scrub him along and get him back into contention. Um, he's never run at Cheltenham over hurdles he had one bumper run there and was bitterly disappointing um i just wonder whether he'll handle this track he looks an awkward beast um and i think they do have to be balanced to cope with with cheltenham um you'll know your fate coming down the hill if he, if he gets down the hill in some sort of order he'll come up the hill the other side very strongly i'm sure but you're being asked to take a fairly short price about a horse that i don't trust entirely so i've looked away from the top two Guard Your Dreams has a bit to find on the mark on the ratings, but soft ground in this extra distance, um, he, he might well do. I think he won last time in spite of the ground and in spite of the trip uh, and down to a whole lot of guts. Um, but quite what he beat, I'm not so sure. They've sort of suggested that uh, we're song for someone, they'll reach for some headgear next time, which suggests they don't feel he perhaps ran to his, his mark. Um, so again, it had had a bit of a look at the handicap previously for me, but I didn't have a huge, strong opinion. Indefatigable with the mayor's allowance is interesting, but she started to look a little bit moody. She went with a bit more zest last time, but still at, down at the start, she didn't look a whole lot interested to me. So I went with another mayor, uh, Willie Mullins sends over Stormy Island, um, and crucially, Danny Mullins comes over as well. And you think he could have had a nice book of rides with racing at Tremore and Fairy House. Um, she is a solid 150 performer consistently. She gets the mayor's allowance. You have to forgive her run in the Hatton's Grace where she, she did a lot early uh, and slightly fell in a hole. Um, the concern is uh, the Nicky Henderson horse on the blind side. If he hassles her up front, that worries me. But I'm hoping she might have perhaps a bit of natural speed early, get clear of him, perhaps try and get a couple of breathers into her. Um, she stays two and a half miles and she copes with soft ground. She's never tried to put the two together. So that is a question. Um, if she does, I think she's a decent price at seven to one. Unfortunately, we've got seven runners. Otherwise, Don Levant would be interesting for me because the race should be run to suit. There'll be a, a strong pace up front, you think, and he might pick up the pieces. But whether he's going to be good enough to pick up the pieces and win this, I'd be not so sure. I could see him running into a place. So for me, it was Stormy Island at seven to one hoping the mayor's allowance does the job and that she doesn't do too much too early. Yeah, she seemed to really enjoy coming back over to Ireland. So interesting that they, they're bringing her back over here uh, to see if she can she can do it. She obviously had that really tough season with Paul Nichols, um, but Willie Mullins just manages the work, the Oracle. But I just felt, I thought she looked a bit moody herself at Fairy House last time, was beaten fair and square by Honeysuckle. Uh, but it's, yeah, she's a she's a she she can be a bit funny herself um, in a race where there are horses that are just a little bit like that. I just had a quick check about McFabulous where he's been. He had a cracked vertebrae earlier this season, which put him behind. Um, he apparently quotes state he's ready to go, but will improve for the run, which is interesting. Obviously, as mentioned, he won this race last year when it was at Kempton. Um, I'll come to you quickly then, James. Um, would that sort of worry you? Cracked vertebrae, that doesn't sound 
particularly pleasant or and it's something that you get over that quickly yeah the the, the big thing for me with McFarber's we the market on the day because I've noticed a lot of Paul Nichols' horses have drifted like a barge and they've not run particularly well. Um, because I do think if he, the wind ops worked, I think he can reverse the form of Bruin up a storm from the national spirit at, at uh, Fontwell back in February. There was six pounds between the pair. He got beaten six lengths, but I think he can can beat Bruin up a storm because he too, he was very weak in the market on his return. While he won the better way hurdle, if a cat fits, he finished second. He actually ran the attempts qualifier at uh, Wing Canton on Boxing Day and, and he's looked a little bit old now, a very one pace. So I'm not sure how strong that form was for those who are going to take the short odds about brewing up a storm. I think Ross has hit the nail on the head with Don Levant. If there was eight runners, it would be an absolutely brilliant each way option because Isabel's going to be out the back, minding her own business, and it's just going to ask him to quicken up the hill and, and pick up the pieces. A little bit like Danny Mullins on the Tornado Flyer. You let the others get on with it, and then sometimes the race will just fall in your lap and you haven't actually got to do a great deal. But probably will finish third uh, and ask you if, you, if you're going to go big. So McFabulous is actually going to be my selection. Like I say, the market will dictate. You might know your, your chances half an hour for the off when he's, he's five, six to one, and you, and you know he's going to badly need to run. Um, but if he doesn't, I think he's the class horse in the race, but it's a, a tricky rail kill. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Guard your dreams. He battled to beat Song Song for someone, but again, I agree with Ross. I think the race fell apart a little bit, and it's quite a big step up from when he beat Cool Cody back in October, and he had a hard race just three weeks ago. So, a race full of intrigue, not the easiest to try and solve. But again, looking forward to it on New Year's Day. Yeah, I think I'm with uh, Ross that I could. I'm not that confident with any at the top of the betting here. And that I think, you know, look, on the blind side, he definitely stays. Don Levant does. Indefatigable for me. Uh, again, I'm going to go on go on the side that she is a horse that they can put a line through that really poor run at Newbury. She was definitely back to her best. I thought it was a, a good uh, effort off top weight at Cheltenham last time. She likes this track. Um, and, then she, and now she actually receives weight. Um, so that's a, a, a benefit for her. She's at, she's at eight to one. Um, and... Yeah, as we've all sort of agreed, co a complicated picture with a few horses that might just, especially at the top of this betting, but as we say, the ground is a big, big question mark. And actually, if it does get very soft, it will be the horses that genuinely definitely stay. And we know that Don Levant has proved that, as is on the blind side. Um, look, we'll, we'll, we'll crack on into the naps and, and our next best. I've got a feeling that our naps aren't necessarily going to come from some of these races that we have picked through because... They haven't been that easy. There aren't that many that with strong, strong, um, definite chances. But we'll go through them anyway. Ross, I'll go go with you first, and then and then head to James. So my nap is in the 105 at Mosselbret. Lucinda Russell trained Bollinger and Krug. Um, he's jumped pretty nicely in two novice chases so far. Um, he's now on a mark of 109, which looks good compared to his decent hurdle form. Tongue tie and cheek pieces go on. Um, as long as the ground doesn't get too desperate at Musselburgh, I think he's got a good chance at four to one. And then my next best comes in the 140, uh, another old boy, uh, Voir de Rev. He's 21 to one, um, but he loves this course. He finished second twice uh, here uh, in 2021 in January and February, over two miles, got off a mark of 145 and 146. Uh, only just beaten both times, battling hard to the line over two miles. He's now on 139. I think this extra distance will suit. Um, and I think at 21 to 1, he's a big price. Yeah, Vodwev, 21 to 1. Another 
big price selection uh, for Ross um, on top of a toy fill at 34 to 1. Don't forget that earlier on in the card at Cheltenham. Um, so as I'd expected, not from Cheltenham, but from Musselburgh, some nice additionals to add there. James, what are you going to go for? Yeah, more simple for me. Venetia Williams, uh, she's in great form and I think she might well get a double. As long as the ground's not too heavy, whatever the weather does, long press is, is my nap. I think 7-4 is a great price for a horse who's really impressed me. Uh, the jumping was economical at Exeter. He destroyed some quite nice horses, uh, destroyed his handicap mark in the process when he won at Ascot. Venetia's put him straight into a graded contest here at the Dipper and, and I think he could be quite good, especially as regards to UK novice chases. So long press is a nap. And as long as it doesn't get too heavy. Fernando de Svola, I was absolutely delighted with his comeback in the Peterborough. He took on all mankind. That probably cost him the race. I think it set it up for, for a closer and first flow, but I think Venetia was delighted with, with how he ran. I think he could be a, a proper open class individual, so giving weight away, I think he's an interesting one. So a Venetia Williams double would be my two best bets on the day. Yeah, not too bad as it stands. Seven to four long press. Fernando Savola seven to one. That could be quite a nice each way double at least um, for James. Um, I'm going to look at a nap outside of the horses that we've, uh, the races that we've looked at, and I'm going to go with Iron Maximus in the first at Cheltenham. Um, Nikki Henderson's novice titlers are talking for themselves, and this horse proved what he's made of at Newbury last time. Um, I think that he probably just needed the run at uh, first time at Exeter, and he was a winner of his bumper here at this track at Cheltenham last year. So he, we know that he. He acts here and he's currently seven to four. I think he'll get shorter than that in what might be might be quite a, 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 a nice opportunity for him. Um, and outside of that, um, it's, I was difficult to find my next best, but I think I'm going to go with Victoria Malzard and um, her very admirable um, sort, Kansas City Chief at nine to one in the handicap hurdle over three miles as I said, has done so well here at this track. And I think course form always means a lot. And I think that price is too big for what he has achieved already this season. So in essence, a bit of a tricky weekend in general, um, but some competitive racings, races, probably some good prices uh, within there. Hopefully we have helped you through um, this card and, and best we can and that everyone can enjoy their New Year's Day racing at Cheltenham. Thanks to James. Thanks to Ross. I like to hope that you're going to be back joining me in the new year. Let's hope so. We'll be here. Brilliant. Uh, as long as there's racing, James and Ross will be with me. So a very happy New Year to James and to Ross and to everyone um, who has been listening and joining in. We'll be back in the New Year for plenty more racing. Make sure to like, to subscribe, and um, we hope that you'll be back with us in 2022.